so good to be here with you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to give uh, to speak to this wonderful church. We love you. We, we have been in, um, in a relationship, in a partnership for the past 10 years, just like Gibbs said. Um, together, uh, we've planted churches in Mexico, three different cities in Mexico. We've planted, planted a church in Nicaragua, two churches in Peru, um, and right now planting a church in Miami. It's, it's such a blessing to know that we have people behind us praying for us, supporting us financially, but also coaching us and being friends of us. Uh, one thing that I always like to mention every time we, we come and, and share about what God is doing is that it's so good to have friends in ministry. And Living Hope has been exactly that, friends in ministry, family in ministry. Um, it, it was wonderful yesterday to, to be able to hang out with some of those friends that have traveled to Mexico several times, served with our church there. Um, think, uh, we thank you very much for, for that uh, commitment, for those sacrifices that you've made in the past to come and to be part with us in the ministry that we're doing to plant churches. Like Gibb said, we planted, personally, we planted two churches in Mexico, but we've also been part of sending out church planters all throughout Latin America. And we're thankful because that's only because of God's grace. But that's also in God's heart. That is, that is the mission that God has sent us to do here on earth, to make disciples. And, and God decided for the vehicle to make disciples to be the church, the local church. And it is through church planting that we get to plant all these churches. And it is through church planting that we get to make more disciples all over the world. So I would like for, for us today to open our Bibles in Acts chapter 11. As I was praying uh, what to share with you this morning or a month ago when I was supposed to come, um, I got brought to my heart Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. So if you have a Bible, please open it or turn it on in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. And I would like for us to, to read this passage, and after that, I would like to pray one more time before we get into what God wants to tell us this morning. Verse 19, I'm reading from the NIV, says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. And some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord." Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. And the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Let's pray one more time, please. Father, we thank you so much. Because by your grace, today we have the freedom to come together, worship your name. 
declare that Jesus Christ is our Lord, is our King, our Deliverer. We thank you so much because it is only by your grace that we can come before you, before your throne, confident that you hear our prayers and confident that you want to hear you speak this morning. So I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us, that your living word will speak to our hearts as we come before you eager to hear your voice and to obey what you want us to do. We thank you for this time together. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A little bit of context about this passage. Um, this, this book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, is also known as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I like to, I like to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because maybe the, the, um, the, 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 the problem of just saying it is the Acts of the Apostles is just to limit of what happened in this book to what the Apostles did. But we want to remember that it is not just the Apostles who were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of God. But we are all empowered by the same Holy Spirit to do the work that God has called us to do as believers of Jesus Christ. So as we come to this passage, we have to remember that the book of Acts was written by Luke, who was in Rome with Paul. But also, the book of Acts continues the gospel account of Luke, beginning with the events that followed the crucifixion of Christ. And then after his resurrection, we can see how Jesus told his disciples in chapter 1 to wait for the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, we see the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then we see the explosive growth and the organization of, the, of Christ's church in chapters 3 to 7. And then the persecution that came from the preaching of the gospel in chapter 8. And then after that, we see Paul's conversion and the conversions of Gentiles house chapter 10 through 11 and then we see the expansion of the church as the disciples and the apostles are sent out to plant churches and we have to remember that acts is the beginning of the church of christ as we know it but we also have to understand that the purpose of this book is not just historical but it is to show that christ continues his work through believers like you and me Believers like the ones we read in scripture, but also believers like you and me, he continues his work through believers and the church under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And what I want us to see in this passage today is that gospel multiplication is the result of God's sovereign hand and the work of people committed to extend God's kingdom. And I want us to see this because I want us to believe what God can do through our lives, what God can do through his church, what God can do through Living Hope Church Project in Miami and in every local church in every city that we know. If we believe that God wants to continue to extend his kingdom and God wants to continue for us to make disciples so that many more people will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Do you believe that? So if we believe that, I think I would, like, I would like us to see some key elements for that gospel multiplication to happen. Because if we want to see more churches being planted, if we want to see more disciples being made, we need to believe and we need to trust that God has called us and enabled us, empowered us to be part of this gospel multiplication. So let's look at this passage and let's see the first thing that is required for gospel multiplication. And the first thing that we see in the first, uh, in verses 19 through 21, is that in order for gospel multiplication to happen, it has to be initiated by the hand of God. If the hand of God is not with us, if the hand of God is not with our local churches, our efforts would be in vain. 
But if the hand of God is with us, look at what happened. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says that now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word. Spreading the word. And I want you, I want you to see the, the, the buildup of that first church that started doing that ministry of planting churches. We see the church of Jerusalem and we see other churches sending out missionaries. But it was the church of Antioch where, where we see this movement happening of church planting. And look at what happened in verse 19. There were, there were no famous names. There were no celebrity pastors. There were, there were no big, big names, big brands of churches, planting churches. It says, now those who had been scattered by the persecution, they were regular people just like you and me. They were regular men and women that were running away from persecution. We could say that they were refugees. There were people running away from persecution because of what happened with Stephen. Stephen had been stoned a couple chapters before, and he had been killed because of the gospel. And these people that were spread out and they, won, they were sent out, their persecution was what God used in order to continue extending the kingdom and continue planting churches. And one thing that I want us to see in this, in this passage is that their means were regular people telling others about Jesus. It was, it was not about a strategy. It was not about programs. It was not about planning. They, they didn't plan to be in the cities because God has sent them out because of persecution. But they were willing to do what God sent them to do. They were willing to continue sharing the gospel and making disciples. Their means were regular people telling others about Jesus. Many times the temptation is to think that we need great communicators, gifted musicians, the best facilities in order to make disciples and make an impact in our cities when what we need is people willing to share the gospel. That is what God uses. People that are committed to extend God's kingdom. Have you ever thought maybe, how can God use me? How can God use me to spread the word, to continue making disciples? Well, God has gifted you and me with the Holy Spirit, and God has gifted you and me with gifts. God has gifted you and me with talents. God has gifted you and me with the gospel so that we can extend God's kingdom. But we also can see that their motivation was greater than the persecution. When, when we see that, that they were being persecuted, the, the, the same thing that got them persecuted, the same thing that got them kicked out of the city where they were in was the same thing that they started doing, sharing the gospel and sharing the good news. Because many times we don't realize how our persecution can become the platform that God uses through our trials to become our testimony. Persecution can become the platform so that God will use your trials, my trials, so that we can give testimony of who our God is. Look at what they were doing. They were not telling people about how persecution was hard, how Christianity was so hard, and how, you know, they had lost everything and they had lost their homes, they had lost their family, they had lost, they had lost friends. No, no, no. Look at what they were saying. In verse, in verse 20, it tells us that some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them what? The good news about the Lord Jesus. Because here's, here's the deal. We are surrounded by terrible news today, right? Every time you open Twitter, every time you open whatever news channel that you like to watch, you hear about this bad news. Wars, 
and, 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 and famine and, and people dying. And so many times we get so tangled talking about bad news that we forget that in our hands, in us, has been deposited the best news this world can hear. That Jesus saves. That Jesus is coming back. That Jesus has the power to transform our lives and transform this world. If you think the world's going to get better, the world's going to get worse. And the only thing that will transform this world into a better place is Jesus. So if we believe that, we need, we need to believe that the hand of God is necessary in our lives. The hand of God has brought us to the place, to the time in history where we are right now, so that we can go ahead and then be used by God to make disciples. Jesus had told his disciples that they were going to suffer because of this message. John chapter 15 verses 18 through 19 says that if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And if you belong to the world, it, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. John chapter 16, verse 33, right after telling his disciples about the Holy Spirit coming, it says that in this world you will have Trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And here's a, here's, a, here's a big truth. The enemy and this world can try to take away our jobs, our houses, our health, our wealth. But he's not taking away our joy because he cannot take Jesus from us. And the truth is, if, if our joy is based on the things of, of this earth, in our security, in, in, in the fact that this world is going to get better, and it's not in Jesus... We're not going to learn to embrace suffering when suffering, many times, it's God's way to extend his kingdom. Many times, God is going to use the suffering of believers in order for the gospel to be shared and preached. But here's the truth. Many times, we have not been taught on how to suffer. Because we, we love comfort. We love staying away from things that hurt. But how can we... Believe that we are not called to suffer when we were saved by the suffering of our Savior. How can we feel entitled to live a comfortable life when Jesus left his comfort by God and he became man and he was obedient, obedient all the way to the cross and died in the cross and suffered so that you and I wouldn't have to suffer anymore but experience the hope of salvation. So if we get to suffer, God, we have to understand that God has ordained suffering so that we understand and we can show the world that Christ is better than wealth, health, and comfort. And because we believe that, we embrace Jesus. So if you want to be used by God and you want to see the hand of God using you in order for gospel multiplication, we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to pay the cost? Are we willing to suffer for the cause of Christ? And sometimes that suffering is not going to look like the suffering of some believers in Middle East that are being persecuted because of the gospel. But sometimes our suffering is going to look more like we're going to lose friends, we're going to lose relationships, we're going to use popularity because what we have, the gospel, is going to confront the sin in this world and the light will cast away evil in this world when we share the good news of Jesus Christ. So their, their means were regular people, their motivation was greater than persecution, but also their message was more important than the consequences of sharing the gospel. We see ordinary people sharing an extraordinary message expecting supernatural results. 
And here's my, my question. Are we still expecting for God to move? Or have we given up in people, in our environments, in our family? Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that the gospel has power and power for, for salvation. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So are we trusting the power in the message? Are we trusting that it is the hand of God who has enabled us to be these messengers and to be God-sent people to tell others about salvation in him? Because we can also see in these believers, in this church in Antioch, that their method was not attractional but transformational. Look at what the passage says. It says that the good news about the Lord Jesus, that's what they were sharing at verse 21. And the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You see what happened? When people believed, they turned to the Lord. Because when somebody really understands the gospel, their lives are never the same. And if you and I believe the gospel has power to change, not just to save us, but has power to transform our lives. We have to understand and believe that we have power in the gospel also as we share the gospel with others. And the power of the Holy Spirit was with them. And they were not attracting believers from other churches. They were reaching for the lost. They were going to the darkest places, sharing the good news of Jesus, because we're not meant to attract people to a safe place but penetrate darkness with the proclamation of the gospel so that people can find safety in Jesus. That's who we are. And that's what we have. We have the hand of God is with us. So in order for gospel multiplication, the, the work of God has to be initiated by the hand of God. But look at the second part of this passage in verses 24, 22 through 24. And we see how gospel people are inspired by, God, by God's saving grace. If we want to see gospel multiplication, we have to be inspired by God's saving grace. Look at what it says. Verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them to all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. This is what happened. The news arrived to Jerusalem, and they heard there's something going on in Antioch. A, a city with Gentiles and Jews that, you know, the gospel started to make, to do something there. And there, a movement started to happen. People were getting saved. People were getting discipled. The church was, the, the, the church was turning that city upside down. So they had to send somebody to see what was going on. And when Barnabas was sent by the church in Jerusalem, when he got to Antioch, the Bible tells us that he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done. And he was glad. He was glad. He started celebrating what God was doing in that place. The evidence of God's grace has to compel us to be part of God's work. And many times it's easy to look to propriety of results, but we have to remember that it is God who is at work and it is God who's changing and transforming our lives for His glory. So that many others will see the light of Christ, the light of God through the work of God in our lives, not just because... We're telling people about Jesus, but because of what God is doing in our lives. Our calling is to make disciples of Jesus, not our disciples. 
And we have to rejoice when we see other churches, when we see other ministries flourishing for the kingdom and flourishing and bringing people to come to know Jesus as their personal savior. Evidence of God's grace compels us to be part of God's work, but also evidence of God's grace comforts our hearts and renews our hope. When we see other people coming to Jesus and when we see what God is doing in other places, in other people, it has to encourage us to continue trusting that God is still at work. We have to be hopeful. And my question for you today is, are you hopeful for what God can still do with the people you've been sharing the gospel? Are you hopeful that God can change that people's life, that person that you have been praying for so long? When we hear testimonies and when we share stories about what God has done in our lives, it is to encourage others to continue believing and trusting that God is at work. That's why God has put us in a community and God has brought us to, together with brothers and sisters in Christ to tell others and encourage one another to good works and to continue growing in our faith that God is still at work. But also we can see in this in this portion, that evidence of God's grace confronts our hearts to continue living out a higher calling. Look at what, what Barnabas taught the church in Antioch. And then he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. He encouraged them and he, he, he told them, listen, God is at work, so let's protect our hearts. Let's keep, let's keep our hearts away from evil. Let's live in this, in this life that God has called us to live. Because we are here in this world. And he was calling this church in Antioch. We are here to, give, to be witnesses of what God can do. So that evidence of God's grace in their life comforted their hearts. But also encouraged them to continue living a higher calling. Now look at what verses 25 through 26 also shows us. Gospel multiplication is initiated by the hand of God. Gospel people are inspired by God's saving grace. But the third thing that we can see in this passage is that gospel friends are important to accomplish God's plans. Look what happened. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. If Barnabas was a selfish preacher, he could have said, you know what, I'm just going to stay here, camp out, and I'm going to make so many disciples that people are going to talk so much about me. And people, you know, I'm going to plant the first mega church, and I'm going to plant campuses all over Antioch. But no, he decided to look for Paul, and he brought Paul to Antioch for also, so that Paul can also be encouraged by the work that God was doing in this city. Here's the truth. God gave us a community, people around us to share the goodness of ministry. God has brought us into this church, into this congregation, to each one of our congregations all over the United States, all over the world. So that we can share with one another the, 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 the privilege that we have to be part of God's kingdom and to be part of God's vehicle to make more disciples and to make an impact for his kingdom. God also gave us a community to serve one another and grow one another in the gospel. Listen, if we want to be part of churches that have become an impact in, in our cities, and if we want to be part, part of a gospel multiplication, we have to understand that we have to encourage one another for this. 
We have to remind one another that we're not just here to sit down, listen to a good sermon, listen to good worship, be part of community groups that help us, you know, be at peace throughout the week and, and feel good about ourselves. We're here to make disciples. We're here to preach the gospel. We're here to be the light in this world. And we are here to remember, remind one another about this because God also gave us a community to show others who it is really about. People called disciples, people were called disciples in this passage by other names, by other people. They were branded as the Nazarenes and they were, it was a, a mean way to call them, you know, when they called them Christians, they were like, oh yeah, those are the followers of Christ. Now what a privilege. What a privilege it is to be called a follower of Christ. What a privilege it is to be identified with Jesus. But we cannot do that alone. We have to do that with gospel friends who are important to accomplish God's plans. But the last thing that we see in this passage is in verses 27 through 29. And we see how gospel generosity is influenced by God's generosity. Look at what happened. Verse 27 says that during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And look at what happened. Somebody came down, prophesied that a great famine was going to be all over the world. And people didn't just go running to Costco and bought all the toilet paper that they could. You're laughing because you know somebody that did that during COVID. No, they didn't think just about themselves. They didn't think about just their needs. They thought about what is going to help to extend the kingdom and what is going to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ so that together we can continue accomplishing God's plan for this world. And we see how generous they were because God provided people to come to serve the church in Antioch, Barnabas, Paul, and the prophets. But also they understood that God's provision for their lives in Jesus Christ was everything they needed in order to receive forgiveness of their sins and salvation. And because they knew how generous our God is. They knew how generous our Savior has been with us by granting us free salvation free for us because he paid the price and because of that salvation that we have received because we see God's generosity in our lives we have to remind ourselves how undeserving we are of that salvation and we have to be thankful for God's provision for our life he provided God provided for you and me in Jesus as the same way that he provides for us every day for every one of our needs and for that reason, because we understand how generous God is with us, we have to see opportunities that seem bad circumstances. We have to see them as opportunities to be generous and to show others how generous our God is. God predicted an opportunity for the church to respond to God's generosity. And my last question for you and for me today is, are we giving generously? Are we giving ourselves generously? Are we giving from our talents? Are we giving from our treasures? With no return expectation as a response for what God has done 
for us. And Living Hope, I, I, I love what God has done in this place through the leadership of this church. I want to encourage you to continue dreaming for gospel multiplication. I want to encourage you to continue dreaming on how God can use us, the church, today to see the hand of God, to see the people of God, regular means that God wants to use to spread the message so that others will come to know Jesus as their Savior, inspired by seeing God's saving grace in other places, inspired by, God's, by seeing God's saving grace, grace in our homes, in our families, sharing this with friends in a community so we can accomplish God's plans. And being generous, influenced by understanding God's generosity for our lives. As we take our place in the narrative of God in history, I believe God can use our lives for gospel multiplication as the result of his sovereign hand at work. But also the work of people that are committed to extend God's kingdom. And I want, I want to invite you to that commitment. I don't know you. And probably many of you don't know me. You, 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 maybe this is the first time you hear about Church Project or Lumina or Vertical Connection or the churches that we've been planting together. But I want to invite you to be part of something greater than what God is doing in this place. What God is doing here is amazing. But God can use you, God can use me in order for gospel multiplication to happen and for more disciples to be made and more churches to be planted and for his kingdom to be extended because Jesus is coming back soon. Is the war a sign of the end of times? Probably. Is Jesus coming soon? Is Jesus coming tomorrow? It's closer than ever. But until he comes, let's continue on mission. Let's, let's leave comfort behind and let's continue on mission because every day is an opportunity for us to stay on mission and extend his kingdom. And we need to be committed to God's kingdom on earth if we want to see gospel multipli multiplication in our churches. So I want to invite you to close your eyes, bow your head. And if you're here for the first time and you hear about the gospel and you hear about what God wants to do and maybe you're frustrated because you haven't seen God at work in your life, let me tell you something. If you're here today and today you understand that God is at work, let me tell you, God wants to work in your life too. And this story that, we've, that we have, that we've been sharing with others, we want to share it with you too and we want to, we want to tell you. God wants to do a miracle in your life, and that miracle is the miracle of salvation and the forgiveness of your sins. And just like we believe that the gospel can do a work outside of this place, the gospel can do a work in your heart today. All you have to do is believe. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. He is the Son of God. He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. He has power to save you and he has the power to save everyone who believes. 
So I want to encourage us to, to, to dream big dreams of what God can do if we commit to his plan of multiplication all over the earth. Not just here, but all over the earth. Because I believe maybe from this place, God may be calling people for, for church planting or serving here in your local church. Getting involved in the next mission trip to go and make disciples somewhere. Or getting involved in making disciples here in your city. Partnering with ministries, partnering with other believers. Thinking more about the kingdom than our castles. Because God is on the move. And Jesus is coming back soon. So let's not waste our lives dreaming about comfort. Let's dream about God's kingdom come. And how would it look if we all engaged in mission, on mission, to reach the lost, to make disciples, and to see a gospel movement happening in our cities and in our world. Father, we thank you so much for the examples that you have shown us in your Bible, in the scripture, of regular men and women committed to the gospel, committed to the mission that you have called us to be on. I pray, Lord, that you, we will be encouraged by, by what you are doing in other places, that we will be encouraged by, by, by the work that you're doing in here, in this place, in this church. And I pray that you will give us opportunities today, tomorrow, in the midst of all the bad news that we hear all the time to share the good news of Jesus so that others will come to know you as their Savior and others will come to be part of this gospel movement that you're called us to be. Thank you, Jesus, for this church. I want to pray over them and I want to pray that you continue to bless them, that you continue to give them vision for the world. Thank you for the blessing that they've been to our lives. And I pray that you'll continue to use them to be a blessing to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.